This is Bigger Pockets Daily, kicking off your Monday with a daily dose of real estate information and education. The article I'm about to share is one of more than 10,000 blog articles available on Bigger Pockets, but you can't read the blog when you're walking the dog or browsing the MLS. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Meet RentApp, the seamless, secure, free way to collect rent. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. You don't even need to download anything. RentApp setup is straightforward for renters, and there are no apps for landlords to download. Both get peace of mind with a digital transaction history. That means no more lost checks, managing a dozen different payment apps, or even wondering whether payment was sent. Landlords say RentApp is the most convenient way to collect rent, and we think you'll agree. RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app landlord. That's rent.app landlord. What documents do you need for a DSCR loan? By Robin Simon. DSCR loans, while still a relatively new product, continue to expand in use and popularity for investors looking to achieve financial freedom through real estate. Throughout 2023, we have published several articles on DSCR loans, introducing the Bigger Pockets community to how interest rates and terms are determined, giving answers to frequently asked questions about DSCR loans, and also talking about exciting new developments and expansions of the product, including DSCR loans for 5 to 10 unit multifamily properties. You can go back in the archives, tons of podcasts devoted to the same topic. 
So today's podcast is going to cover another big aspect of DSCR loans, specifically, what documents are you going to be expected to provide once you've decided to actually go with this product? One of the most enticing aspects of DSCR loans for investors is the lower documentation, paperwork, and the overall hassle when compared to more traditional lending, including conventional and bank options. However, DSCR loans should not be considered no-doc loans. They do include a well-thought-out underwriting process and meaningful common sense documentation, if you will, requirements as well. Now, sometimes people can be misinformed, thinking these are loosely originated mortgage loans akin to the ninja, no income, no job, and no assets loans that were common in the early 2000s and helped lead to the real estate crash. So after listening to this guide, you should be both well-equipped to know what to expect in the DSCR loan underwriting process and be able to dispel any myths about DSCR loans being a repeat of those poorly documented ninja loans of the past. First, let's answer what are DSCR loans, just in case you don't know. While there really isn't an exact, commonly agreed-upon definition out there, maybe here's a handy definition for this specific loan product. DSCR loans are mortgage loans secured by residential real estate turnkey properties, strictly used for a business purpose and underwritten primarily based on the property. Here's an important note. So, DSCR loans refer to the specific loan type and the DSCR ratio, debt service coverage ratio, is a metric used for underwriting and evaluating these loans and other loans, but the metric and ratio itself are distinct things versus what is referred to as DSCR loans. So here are some key things to note in the definition. DSCR loans are secured loans, meaning that there is collateral that the lender can take if the borrower doesn't pay back the debt. There are also mortgage loans, secured loans for which the secured collateral is real estate. DSCR loans cover residential real estate properties, not commercial real estate properties. So investment properties that are commercial in nature, office buildings, retail strip centers, all those things, cannot use these products. They can be leveraged with commercial real estate loans that use the DSCR metric for evaluation. However, these are not under the DSCR loan product bucket. DSCR loans are for business purposes, only meaning that the owner of the property cannot live in the property under any circumstances. These loans are strictly for investment properties where the property is owned and operated for business purposes and rented out for income. Additionally, for DSCR loans for which the purpose is a cash-out refinance, the use of the cash-out proceeds must also be used for a business purpose. Commonly, these proceeds are used for further real estate investment or costs related to the borrower's real estate business and strictly cannot be used for personal uses, like paying off personal credit cards or any non-business expense for that matter. So DSCR loans are primarily based on the property itself, meaning that the lender evaluates and qualifies the deal, mostly but not completely, based on the property's investment potential. This is a common misconception where people sometimes assume DSCR loans are just purely based on the asset. DSCR lenders will run personal credit, which along with LTV and DSCR is among the three biggest factors determining your rate and terms and typically require three to six months of PITIA, reserves, and liquid assets. The rest of the documentation and underwriting will be based on the asset itself. But it's important to remember that qualification really isn't 100% based on the property. 
your credit and some basic liquid assets matter too. And then finally, DSCR loans are for turnkey properties only, meaning any property needing any significant renovations or rehab is just not going to qualify. And you'll likely need to explore some hard money options instead. DSCR loans, not no doc and not ninja. One of the commonly agreed upon drivers of the 2008 real estate crash was loans with poor underwriting standards to unqualified borrowers. It was common to see inexperienced borrowers qualify for and amass a ton of loans with almost no money down and exotic loan structures. And further, many qualification standards were low, not requiring proof of income, or really all that much in the way of evaluating whether the borrower was going to be able to pay back the loan. Uh, so because of this, sometimes people hear about DSCR loans, which are best known for being based primarily on the asset and not requiring or evaluating W-2 income or even DTI, and then just associate them with the poorly constructed loans in the past. So the rest of this podcast is going to demonstrate this. This is very misleading, as DSCR lenders will require common sense documents to properly underwrite a file and evaluate and limit risk. Furthermore, DSCR loans are much more conservative, for example, generally limiting LTVs to no more than 80%, requiring strict rules around third-party appraisals for valuations, and conservatively evaluating how each property will perform as a rental. Additionally, DSCR loans generally have none of those confusing and exotic loan structures of the past, where borrowers were faced with quick and potentially rapid increases in interest rates. Almost all DSCR loans are fixed-rate 30-year mortgages, and the ones that aren't typically fixed for at least five years and also have built-in limits against rates increasing too much and too quickly. DSCR loan documentation requirements. All right, let's get to it. This is just a brief checklist of the documents that you will be expected to provide when going through the process of obtaining a DSCR loan. It's important to remember that DSCR lenders are all following the 100% exact same guidelines and requirements. All of them. Such as conventional lenders originating Fannie Mae qualified loans. So DSCR lenders typically have mostly the same guidelines, but each are, are indeed a private lender and do have differences. Additionally, not all DSCR loans will have the exact same document requirements, just based on the deal itself, and some won't be applicable. Some examples of this are entity documents, which are only required if the loan is taken in the name of an entity, like an LLC. All right, let's take a look at the application. So the DSCR loan process typically starts with the application. Some DSCR lenders will use the standard Fannie Mae Form 1003 application. However, this is designed for conventional loans, including normal owner-occupied loans, and includes lots of questions and information actually not required by DSCR lenders. Several lenders, especially ones focused solely on DSCR loans and financing real estate investors, will have customized applications that have questions and fields only specifically needed for DSCR loan qualification. These custom-built applications are typically a few pages and take like, you know, around 15 minutes to complete. Typical items included are the questions about the property, real estate investing experience, financial profile, the entity if you have an LLC, and optional demographic information. While all of this information will be checked and verified during the underwriting process, and rough estimates are generally okay, it's just really important, though, to be truthful on the application. 
As a DSCR lender, finding evidence of misstatements on the application later in the process can have serious consequences. You're not going to pull one over on them. Let's talk about credit authorization. So this document authorizes the DSCR lender to pull a credit report for the guarantors of the, on the loan. Note that mortgage lenders use a slightly different credit report with a focus on other real estate debt history than others. So your score with a DSCR lender may be slightly different from what you'd find in other places. Bank statements. So generally, DSCR lenders will require two months of bank statements to prove minimal liquid asset reserves, generally in the amount of three to six months of PITI payments. A, PITIA payments. Association, can't forget that one. While these loans must be used for business purposes, it's perfectly fine and acceptable for the individual borrower to pay debt service from personal funds if needed. This can occur if the property experiences vacancy or some turnover, or just maybe a short-term rental in a seasonal market. And some months bring in light amounts. And just kind of expect that. So the liquid asset reserves provide a little bit of a cushion for these cases. Most DICR lenders will also allow for retirement accounts or stock and bond portfolios to satisfy this requirement, often with a 20% or so haircut of the amount to account for the lower liquidity and value risk. Property insurance. DSCR lenders will require that the property is properly insured, of course, against potential damage and destruction, typically at a minimum of the loan amount or replacement cost. This ensures that if the property is, in fact, destroyed, the DSCR lender can recover the funds from the loan in a payout of no less than the principal balance. Flood insurance to this amount is also required if the property lies in a federally designated flood zone. Let's talk about leases. So if the property is leased as a long-term rental, copies of the leases are going to be required to be provided, and they must be in proper order too, clearly signed with rents and terms fully clarified. One thing to watch out for, though, is when purchasing a property that is currently leased out. Things typically run the smoothest when the seller can provide these leases quickly. Short-term rental history. If the property has been utilized as a short-term rental, the last 12 months of bookings and receipts are typically required by the DSCR lender. Usually, these can just be downloaded and sent fairly easily from short-term platforms like Airbnb and Verbo. Now let's talk those entity documents real quick. These are not applicable, of course, if you're borrowing as an individual, but they are required, like many investors, you choose to set up an LLC. If, I should say, you choose to set up an LLC. For borrowers who go this route, a few documents are typically required. It will often depend on the state of incorporation. Now, typically, entity documents required by DSCR lenders include these things, certificates of good standing, certificate of formation, articles of organization, operating agreement, those things. Renovation documentation, too. So for borrowers who follow the Burr method and use DSCR loans for a quick cash-out refinance, documentation of all the reno work is often required here. These will typically include receipts, invoices, and work orders from the rehab work on the property. Conclusion, and then we'll wrap up for today. So, yeah, I know, while there are just a few more documents that do go into the loan file, these are obtained by the DSCR lender and don't have to be provided by the borrower. Some of those include the appraisal, appraisal review, and title insurance. But overall, DSCR loans are a fantastic product because the documentation requirements are limited and reasonable. 
and just ensuring solid underwriting and protecting against risk and market meltdown, while not being too much of a hassle and a nightmare of paperwork. Congratulations! You just got smarter and one step closer to reaching your real estate investing goals. You know what else will make you smarter? Setting up keyword alerts in your Bigger Pockets profile. Go to Account Settings, Alerts, and set up alerts for the market or strategy you're interested in. For example, Turnkey or Kansas City. You're guaranteed to connect with like minded investors who share similar goals. Want to hear more Bigger Pockets daily? Check out some older episodes you missed. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>